Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for October 16th, 2020. If you spell the word color without a U, it's Noah Webster you have to thank, or blame, depending on where you are, I suppose. American lexicographer known for his American spelling book and his American Dictionary of the English Language was born on this day in 1758, Connecticut. Webster was instrumental in giving American English a dignity and vitality of its own, and both his speller and dictionary reflected his principle that spelling, grammar, and usage should be based upon the living, spoken language rather than on artificial rules. In his long and fascinating life as a polymath, Webster also made useful contributions as a teacher, grammarian, journalist, essayist, lecturer, and lobbyist. Webster entered Yale in 1774, interrupted his studies to serve briefly in the American Revolution, and graduated in 1778. He taught school, did clerical work, and studied law, being admitted to the bar in 1781. While teaching in Goshen, New York in 1782, Webster became dissatisfied with texts for children that ignored the American culture, and he began his lifelong efforts to promote a distinctively American education. His first step in this direction was preparation of a grammatical institute of the English language, the first part being the American Spelling Book of 1783 and the famed Blue-backed Speller, which has never been out of print. The spelling book provided much of Webster's income for the rest of his life, and its total sales have been estimated as high as 100 million copies or more. The grammar was based on Webster's principle, enunciated later in his dictionary, that grammar is formed on language and not language on grammar. Although he did not always follow this principle and often relied on analogy, reason, and sometimes fanciful etymology, his inconsistencies were no greater than those of his English contemporaries. He spoke of American English as Federal English, always contrasting the superior usage of the yeoman of America with the alleged affectations of London. The reader consisted mainly of American selections chosen to promote democratic ideals and responsible moral and political conduct. The absence of a federal copyright law until 1790 and discrepancies among the state laws left the author of a popular book open to piracy unless he exerted strenuous efforts. Webster's letters to various state legislatures reflect his activity on his own behalf, and he traveled widely, lobbying for uniform copyright laws and teaching, lecturing, and giving, of all things, singing lessons to help support himself. After his marriage in 1789, Webster founded a daily newspaper, the American Minerva, and a semi-weekly paper, the Herald, which was made up of reprinted selections from the daily. Webster wrote on economics, medicine, physical science, language, and politics, and his article, Sketches of American Policy of 1785, is often called the first statement of the U.S. Constitution. Webster moved in 1798 to New Haven, Connecticut, where he was elected to the Common Council 
and remained active in local politics for the rest of his life. He was a founder of the Connecticut Academy of Arts and Sciences, a member of the Massachusetts Legislature, and a participant in founding Amherst Academy and Amherst College. In 1806, Webster published his Compendious Dictionary of the English Language. Though it was no more than a preparation for his later dictionary, it contained not only about 5,000 more words than Samuel Johnson's dictionary, but also a number of innovations, including perhaps the first separation of I and J and of U and V as alphabetical entities. He started work on the American Dictionary in 1807, acquiring at least a nodding acquaintance with about 20 languages, although his attempts to find plausible etymologies were often not supported by investigation of the actual state of linguistic knowledge. The first edition of an American Dictionary of the English Language was published in two volumes in 1828, when Webster was 70 years old. Its first printing comprised of 2,500 copies in the U.S. and 3,000 copies in England, and sold out in little more than a year, despite harsh attacks on its Americanisms, its unconventional preferences in spelling, its tendency to avoid U.S. rather than British usage and spelling, and its inclusion of non-literary words, particularly technical terms from the arts and sciences. The dictionary contained about 70,000 entries and between 30 and 40,000 definitions that had not appeared in any earlier dictionary. However, the American dictionary was relatively unprofitable, and the 1841 revision fared no better. Webster would die two years later, never realizing the fruits of his labor in creating perhaps the best-known book both in and of the English language. During the course of his complicated life, Webster was both hero and villain, constitutionalist and dominionist, abolitionist and hypocrite, and by the end of his life, embittered and deeply entrenched in nationalistic and isolationist ideals. A virtual poster boy for today's radical conservatism that now dominates our daily news cycle. But despite his ideology, there is no denying his tremendous contributions to American linguistics, culture, identity, and for fixing words like color, flavor, and humor, which are all much better off than they were before. Thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time.